I'm Paul Dunn and welcome to The Creative Relay, the podcast where Australia's most inspiring creatives talk to the creatives that most inspire them. Brought to you by Smith & Weston. Last time on The Creative Relay, Nathan and Dave from Hawke's Brewing Company talked to their old boss, Michael Walker, about his return to Sydney to head up 72 and Sunny. Now the table has turned, and it's Micah asking the questions to his special guest. You're listening to The Creative Relay. So, Micah, thank you for coming back. Thank you. The table has turned, and uh, you are now in the position of asking the questions as opposed to responding to them. At the end of our last chat, I don't think you really had any idea. No, I, I wasn't quite sure yet. Yeah, yeah, but you have chosen someone. Yep. And who is that person? Well, before I just wasn't quite sure if he would do it, but uh, excited to kind of have a chat with Steve Rogers today. So really great director um, and, uh, and a good friend. And uh, just thought it'd be interesting to ask him about filmmaking and ideas and, you know, his thoughts on all those kinds of things. Well, let's get him in. Great. Here he is. Hello. Steve Rogers, welcome to the Creative Relay. Thank you. Uh, you, I believe, are our first director. Oh, there you go. So uh, we were very happy when Micah told us that he was going to invite you to come along to have a chat because I think your perspective is going to be quite interesting. So welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. Well, maybe it's good just to kind of start with a little bit about you, uh, where you grew up, how you got into film. Uh, how I got into film. I went to art school and then you know wanted to be like a graphic designer and then sort of got roped into starting a really really shit motion graphics company doing title design and that that basically became more live action based yeah, you end up storyboarding your own stuff and after a while you end up shooting the things that you storyboard which kind of is directing and uh, yeah, it just sort of went from there, really. And at that time, was there like were there people that were helping? Were you just kind of figuring it all out on your own, kind of thing? Um, not really, because the company that I was a partner in was was really really shit house, and I kind of left that and then started Revolver, basically because I didn't think that anyone would represent me as a director, and I had a producer, you know, who was a great girl. But neither of us really knew what we were doing, so it was pretty wobbly. But we did have good support. There was a couple of people that were very, very helpful to begin with, like Ted Horton, people like that. Right. Do you remember some of the first things you made? Oh, they were terrible. Yeah. They're always... They're meant to be, though, aren't they? You know? Yeah. If they were good, you'd never sort of do anything better. Um, oh, I did some terrible car stuff. I did some terrible... Yeah. The, although the, the, the saving grace, I have to say, was I was still doing title design and sort of motion graphics for for Foxtel and for some films and things like that. So it meant that you didn't have to do the retail shit that you have to more often than not do as a director when you're starting out. So you could be a little more selective, which was sort of helpful. So you could stuff up really good jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it meant, it meant that you had, an, you had a, an alternative to just doing commercials, I guess, you know. And I, I guess sort of title design and motion graphics and all that sort of stuff was more live action based at the time. It was a much bigger deal at the time. It sort of seems to have died a bit now. 
but that was a fun way of shooting stuff without having to actually sell something. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't product oriented. And do you have a, like, were there any real horror stories from when you first went? Do you have any really good one? Uh, did you kill anyone on set or? It's a long time ago now, Michael. I have to, you know. It was, it was 51 years ago. I, yeah, I 50 coming up to 55. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you mentioned you mentioned something that I think is like is interesting. When Dave and Nathan interviewed me, we had a chat about like being able to kind of to mess things up and being able to learn from those things. And uh, I know obviously the stakes get higher and higher, but I'm curious about how often you uh, you feel like you're learning still today and everything that you make. Is every script a new one? Is every story a a new chance to explore or is it a little bit more like a job than that like, no i have no idea i honestly have no idea what i'm doing and i think <laughs> that you i think you rely on instinct to a certain extent and i think like any of us do and i think that if if things more often than not go okay you know you your 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 reliance on that instinct becomes sort of stronger but you know i go into every job going i don't I don't know where to put the camera. I don't know what to say to the actor. You know, and then you get there and you kind of work it out and it seems to go okay. You know, I mean, I think you need to go go through those early kind of projects where things don't go according to plan. It's a little like, um, it's like business as well. It's, It's sometimes it's more beneficial to be in a shit business or to make shit work to know what you're not going to do again. And you, you, you know, you try stuff. I mean, the difficult thing I think with commercial, with, with with filmmaking in general now is because, you know, you've there, there, there really aren't music videos to work in. You know, I mean, short films are expensive and oversubscribed. There's no real forum for people to try stuff and fail. You know, so um, people have to do it and fail in a kind of commercial context which is really hard you know and people get screwed down really badly i mean i know from young directors at work you know what i mean they make something with the best of intentions and you know you get shot down for it yeah whereas if you're doing a music video you're doing whatever you know you you, you try stuff and it's fun and you play and there are a lot more folks that can tell you what's good advertising than there are people making it right? <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm I'm curious a little bit. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. Like w- one of them is for those who don't know, Steve and I have shot together. I think I've shot with you more than I've shot with anyone. Yeah, and half of them worked out, <laughs> <laughs> and the other half never went to air. Yeah, or got us fired. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but uh, one of the things I always say to people is they're like, "Oh, why do you like Steve?" And I'm like, "You don't have to tell Steve what not to do." And that was kind of seems uh, maybe a simple way of saying that really. It's about taste and it's about making decisions. But I know that going into a production, the other side, it's also kind of who you surround yourself with and who you can control that you work with. And so I'm kind of curious maybe if you can talk a little bit about how do you choose the crews that you choose? How do you choose, uh, you know, the producers that you spend time working with? I literally think that in filmmaking casting is kind of everything and not and not just casting the actors you want for the role but casting your collaborators that are going to make that happen because if you have a great producer and you get the right cinematographer and AD and all the subsequent heads of the department as well as the right you know actors for the role i literally don't have to do anything because it it no it becomes a thing that then needs to be 
tapped back into kind of place mm. rather than driven the whole time. Yeah. So you're, you, you then, if everyone knows what the intention of the project is and those people understand the way you want to make it, sort of actors and crew included, I, I, I do think that you really, it just becomes um, an exercise then in just sort of nudging it here or there and it, it sort of makes itself, which makes it much easier. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I think that we spend a lot of time trying to get those people right, you know, because the projects are important, it's important to you, and it's important to us that we don't fuck it up. And, and look, there's people that I've worked with for 20 years, like you and, you know, you know um, my AD um, and, and different DPs. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think when you find people, you keep, you keep using them. But, yeah, I think if you get it right, it's... It's easy. And look, I think the same thing with actors. Why would you street cast, though, if you can get the best actor you can? It doesn't make any sense to me. It makes your life infinitely harder. That's what I was asking you when you were saying we were going to street cast this next thing. Well, if you had have given us enough fucking time to street cast properly, it would have been okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I, you know, I mean, get the best actors, you know. Sure. get it's, it's not that complicated. If you can get Russell Boyd, you know what I mean? If you can get a great DP, why, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Why, why, make, your, why make the whole thing... It, I think it's also the fact that, you know, you start out, you don't know anything. I didn't know anything. I kind of knew sort of what I liked, but I wanted to work with people who I could steal from, you know, yeah. and pretend that their ideas were my own and then go from there. So you work with DPs and you work with actors and you you learn from those people because they're better than you i mean employ people that are better than you i mean it's not, you know what i mean it seems to me it, it makes a lot of sense i it always frustrates me when people are like i'm gonna work with my buddy because he's like a great dp and it's like no he's not he's shit but you know it's not gonna make your work any better yeah uh you might have a nice time on set but no one gives a shit about that it takes just as much time to make something shit doesn't it Right. It do, it does, and it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like I think I think people get carried away with having a good time on set, mm. and uh, you know I think it's nice that you know it's 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 a good thing that the set that you work on is relaxed and collaborative, but that doesn't mean that it's as full of your buddies doing whatever. Yeah. I, I don't think that makes for good filmmaking. Yeah, and what about because I think obviously money and time play into those things, right? It's often I think people. You know, sometimes clients, sometimes others just think the more money you have on a production, it doesn't end up on screen. But in fact, it's kind of the opposite, right? You're trying to make sure it, you get the people that you want, that you can have as much control as you can. And I'm curious about when you're looking at scripts, like we'll often talk to, we'll have conversations with creatives and be like, make sure we're writing, not just having good ideas, but that we're having ideas that are actually possible, that they're producible, that they're makeable. Kind of interested to hear, I mean, maybe it's obvious, but it's just nice to hear from a director's point of view what you look for in scripts, what you look for in stories. I mean, I think like anyone, you look for things you haven't done before. I think you look for me personally. I sort of look for stories and some sort of narrative that you can spend some time building and then you can work with actors on and work on performance. I mean, I I don't know. I think you read things like anyone reads things, like you read literature or like you, you know, you listen to music. You 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 look for something that that is that seems different and that seems distinctive, and that has an idea, uh, and it's not derivative. And it's never really about budget. I don't. I you know. I I think that there's 
you know, if an idea is strong enough, I do think there's ways that you can make things, you know, um, depending on how open-minded people are going into projects, you know, because people, people come, you know, with great ideas and they have no money, but they want to make this epic thing. And it's like, you're never going to make that. Yeah. Or if you do try and make it with that amount of money, it's going to look shit because everything is going to be stretched to the, to the nth degree and it's all going to fall apart. But there's smart ways through that. But, you know, a lot of the time it's difficult from, from a, a commercial production point of view because a lot of the time when you get something, things have been, things have gone so far up and the expectations have been sold up so kind of high that we get it and we're like, well, that's never going to work with that amount of money. And it's like, yeah. well, we'll just go to someone who will tell us that they can make that. Yeah. Um, even if they're full of shit. Yeah. Uh, because that's what we've promised. And you're like, well, that's not a great way to go into something. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do think that the, the earlier that you involve, if it's a, you know, clearly if it's a film project, the earlier you involve filmmakers in the project, the better it's going to be. And I think most production companies are happy to kind of offer up an opinion on something as it's being written, you know, is this achievable, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, as I it's going it through. It requires a level of trust, though, doesn't it, right? You've got to be, let's be honest, some people's opinions you don't want. Yeah, I could think of some. <laughs> What's your opinion on the pitch process that that you have to go through because it seems uh, like it's a real punish. Look, competitive bidding is, you know, it's not unique to commercial filmmaking, you know what I mean? Like people write treatments to bid on feature films, it's not, that's that's fine. Bidding six companies against each other for a 150 grand job I think is rude. Mm. And I also think that quite often you get a brief and they don't know what they want so they're fishing for ways forward. You know what I mean? You know, whilst I'm happy to write treatments, I, I think that that's work that should be paid for, to be honest. Um, but, you know, in a, in, a, in a conventional kind of bidding situation, I'm, I'm happy writing treatments. I like, I like writing them. I think that that's an important part of the process. I think it makes you, it makes you think about the script. I mean, I have a massive problem with directors not writing treatments. Um, like in the states, it's just a it's a it's a booming business. Oh yeah, I've showed up on set and it's clear the director didn't write the treatment, and you're kind of like, whoa. But they don't because more often than not, the director will do a call. The call will go to a treatment writer and a visual researcher, and have no more involvement in the bidding process until the job happens. So how how carefully can you have considered? that script if, if if all you did was initial phone call, would you just say, Yeah, it was great, I really love it. So I don't I don't I don't really have a problem with the with the bidding thing. It is look, it's a lot of work mm-hmm. and it's it's it, it, it requires a lot of resources. I mean because these things are like phone books now. They're, yeah, they're yeah. it's a it's mm-hmm. a weighty document. And have you found, Steve, that what agencies are asking for now as opposed to before, like, like, has it gotten more executional? Or are you being asked to be more specific? Depends on who you're working with. You know what I mean? Again, it depends if people are fishing for a way forward. You know, and which is kind of a way of wanting wanting a script, really. Or alternatively, the thing that is really off-putting is when you get a script and it's eight pages and it reads exactly like a treatment, and you're like, I don't know. Wh- 
what am I meant to write? I mean, it's written, you know, if that's what you want, I, I, you know, I don't really know what to do with that. And if that's the thing that has gone up the chain, then what are you meant to do? You know, I think didn't Frank Budgen say that thing that he wouldn't, he wouldn't look at a script more than a paragraph long because you want an idea really, don't you? You know, I think often people think that production is the manufacturing of something that's already kind of made. Yeah. Versus the beginning of the creative process by which you bring a piece of paper to life, you know, and so often we have these chats about like, you know, what's on paper as good as we might be able to write it or as much as you might like it needs to change to become film. Yeah. And it's it's hard with those guidelines that are incredibly rigid, you know what I mean? Particularly when it gets specific in terms of casting, in terms of locations, in terms of all that sort of stuff. Because you can't, you know, it's got to, it, it, it inevitably sort of changes as it moves forward and grows and hopefully becomes something infinitely better than, than we hoped it would have been. But... And it is hard when, when it's like, well, that actor's, you know, clearly, you know, his hair's not grey enough, whatever. It's, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? If, you, if, if you're going to tell a story, make it interesting, um, make it well-performed, uh, make it well, and entertain people. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I think that gets lost along the way. Yeah. You know, with the, well, that actor's ears are a bit big and, you know, it's like... Yeah, they're hard. They're those, you know, they're unpleasant. Those conversations. Steve, you talk about the that freedom of you know just having a um, a, a script that is is under well not underwritten, but someone's come to you with an idea. I think I should take advantage of the fact that you and Micah have created what is my favourite ad, um, which is the Bogues Pure Waters. I just love it, and I love every one of those vignettes. And I distinctly remember the first time I saw it on air. And just how delightful and surprising each one of those moments was. These pure waters are special. Something goes in there, comes out different. In a good way. Don't know why. Bows have always been that way. Oh, sure, things don't always turn out the way you expect. But nobody's complaining. Because this water just makes things better. So how detailed was that script when you got it? The script was fantastic. No, I'm not, I'm not stroking Micah, although he <laughs> likes that. Um, look, I don't think... I, don't, I can't make good work if it's not well written. So it was a great idea and it was, it was beautifully written and it had a complete world within it and, you know, we were lucky in, in the cast... That, that we had. So things like the the bike going through the water. It was all there. It was all, it was all there. there. Yeah. Right. You know, I remember like the evolution of what that script was. Like I remember at one stage it was about water wranglers. Like we had these odd characters who were out in the hills trying to wrangle this kind of bulge and movement of water that moved through and then we kind of in a lot of ways it just got simpler and back to kind of like, well if good water makes for good beer and water just makes things better where where then is the interesting story but it's interesting a lot of the conversations that we had on that along with the creative team and everybody that was involved in the production was like what do we not do like what do we like it's almost what we didn't do on that made it more interesting it was just interesting that 
to me that that's because a lot of times it's like, oh, what can we do? What is the most we can do? Mm-hmm. And we always felt like the it's fresher the tone of voice was in the restraint. Mm-hmm. So, and some of that was just what the water's opinion was of better. Mm-hmm. So it was like when the guys throw the boat in the water instead of the newest, freshest boat, it was kind of a older. It was better uh, than it was. Killer but it Bogan was, boat. Yeah. And uh, so there were just things like that. Just yeah. things like telling the guy pushing the girl in the water away from far away rather than... But we shot that for a day, though, I remember, because it was, it, was, it, was very, it was contentious at the time because he pushed his girlfriend in the water. Then we had to shoot her getting out, being, you know, better than she was, then pushing him in. And him getting out, being better than, and it just, it was this, it, we shot like a day of this thing to make it kind of. Good thing that never made it in there. You know, it was shot tight, and in the end, a wide shot of him pushing her in at that point in the cut, you know, you don't need anything more than that, mm. I don't think. It's not very often that you get to kind of bring to life a story like that. I do think the thing about that first one, though, it is so simple, and I think yeah, that's yeah. the, there's, there's an, there's an, effortlessness to the idea and a simplicity to the idea that is literally a sentence you know what I mean and within that world you can do so much stuff and that made production easy yeah that's that's a rarity that I think that must have been one where I I would have thought that everyone involved would have thought we're making something really I don't think you ever know when you're making it no not really I mean I, I you know I'm terrified with everything that you make it doesn't really matter I, th- I, 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 don't, I can't think of a single project that I've worked on where you're going, this is going to be fantastic, you know? I actually feel like the times I've felt that it's, it's, it's been well. shit. It's, it's uh, I mean, I think you care all the time, right? So you got to care all the time and try all the time. And then, you know, it's like occasionally things line up and you succeed and it all goes right and it turns out well and... I wish everything was like that, but it's just not, right? Well, I also think that what, what what you shoot on set is a long way from what ends up being what people see. So, you know, there's a lot of games to be played until something gets out there. And I, I just think that more and more, like every step of the way, things just get, you know, either shut down or pulled out of shape or whatever like the last thing we did, which yeah. we spent eight days shooting in L.A. that never went to air. Yeah, we shot a uh, we shot some Super Bowl stuff that was uh, part of a pretty kind of contentious campaign, but uh, they were great. They were the best ones. And unfortunately, some of the ones earlier in the campaign scared them so much that the Super Bowl spots never ran. Uh, and they were some of my favorite things we did. And, Can you say who it was for? Uh, yeah, it was it was for TurboTax when right. we were when we were at Wyden. And I mean, Steve shot a bunch of, like yeah. massive, massive campaign, and a lot of it went to air, and it did really well for them, and kind of performed better than uh, anything they'd ever done. But they were just they just had a moment where they were a little bit worried about some stuff, and so there were two spots that were meant to be the kind of like a twin pair on the Super Bowl. Oddly, they're not the ones that pushed it the furthest. It's just so happened what, that What they scared were like, them then? I think what had happened, and this is, um, you know, th- this was a client that while they'd done advertising, they were, they really wanted to do a campaign where they were going to get more attention than they had. And, and I think, of course, why wouldn't you want to do that? 
they were also not prepared for the attention they would get. And so when you typically create stuff that doesn't get any commentary, all of a sudden any commentary can be kind of confronting. And even though, you know, 70% of what was being said about some of the stuff we made was positive, that 30% scared the shit out of them. Right. You know? But, you know, I, that kind of stuff happens and you kind of go, you know, I, I would have never guessed Right. that they would have been the ones that were most contentious, but it just happens, you know. That happens all the time. I mean, I think half the things I shot last year never went to air. Yeah, in the U.S., you know, they shoot ten things and five won't run, and I always find that kind of nuts, but it just happens. It's also, it's it's horribly wasteful and negligent, though, and makes you feel kind of um, horrid about the whole thing. I think that you know, you shoot for. I mean, it's expensive. You know, you yeah, shoot that amount of stuff, and then they just, you know, it's bad. Well, there's something very American about wasting stuff like that. Yeah, but it wasn't just America last year that I shot stuff in. I mean, we we did a massive worldwide thing for a um, uh, unmentionable beer brand that that we shot for thirteen or fourteen days in Prague that never went to air. But you said that was shit. You really fucked that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about, you spent a lot of time working with the U.S., with Wyden. You spent a lot of time, but other kind of agencies in the U.S. and in the U.K., all around the world. I'm just curious, what, like, do you feel like there are any big differences from, like, the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia? You know, I mean, I think you have to recalibrate a little bit to, to work in those different countries. I mean, I think, you know, in the U.S., it's, it is more collaborative in pre-production and post-production. But if you work with good people, that's a good thing. I mean, again, I mean, I go back to the thing. The single greatest joy of filmmaking is the fact that it is a collaborative art and you work with writers and art directors and cinematographers and editors and they all make it better. So if you work with good people, like at Widen, it's it's a great pleasure to sit in a casting and have... You know, people there with an opinion, um, because that's what it's about. On the other hand, it's very difficult. You know, I mean, I did a thing there earlier in the year with a, a not a particularly good agency, and then it becomes pretty painful. But, but you know, at, at its best, I think it makes the work better. Yeah. You know, the UK is different because you just spend a lot longer on everything. You know, everything. They seem to have this limitless amount of time to make things you know and i think that's great because you can you get into the craft of things that much more you know you have more time to cast you have more time to cut you don't necessarily have more time to shoot but so i mean that's the main difference there but i, I like working in the states I, you know i mean i've never i've never really had a bad experience well, not 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 recently. I, yeah, yeah, actually, I have had terrible experiences there, but that was a while ago, and I think I've purged them from my mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in recent times, of of you know, they've all been good. It's all been incredibly respectful, and the act of working together on something has 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 always made it better. Yeah. I, I mean, I like I like that aspect to it. I mean, I do. I think I think the, the, the this weird filmmaking kind of notion of auteurship of the director somehow being this single creative um, focus is such bullshit. And I I I find that it it's corrupted a lot of the good things 
about filmmaking, you know, that that somehow the director needs to answer every question about every single aspect of a production where that's not, in my experience, what makes it good. I work with a few of those. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit weird asking questions to you, like I don't know you, because of course I do, and so it's, I just think sometimes it's interesting for people to hear what your point of view is, and I think people actually genuinely want to know shit about you. What you've learned. Well, not necessarily what you've learned, but I think it's like, you know, I had this conversation with one of my teams where they're like, we've sent 30 scripts to Steve Rogers, and he said no to all of them. And then the first thing we do when you're here, and now he's doing it, and they're like, and they're so excited, you know? Yeah, and well, it's that, like that can only lead to disappointment, can't it? Do you think that would be because because you know Micah, because you go, oh, okay, or was there something in that? I wouldn't, in all modesty and humility, I wouldn't need to write a script. If he sent it to me, I would do it. Yeah, there's right. not many people I would do that for. So the poor team who'd sent thirty scripts in the past, mm-hmm. like everything that gets sent to you, does it actually get under your nose? Uh yeah well yeah yeah no I'll, I'll read I'll read stuff but if I don't I mean if you don't know the people it makes it makes it quite difficult right okay you know? to be honest I would rather do a lesser script from a good agency than a great script from an agency I didn't know but doesn't that go against your thing about not working with mates no no it, it might not be an agency that I've worked with that I think is good you know what I mean yeah right okay um the problem is if you right. so you get a script. You get a one-off script from an, from some people you don't know, and you go great. You know what I mean? And you go into it. If they're not going to back, if they're not going to give you their support when difficult decisions come along, which they inevitably do in a film production, you know, if anything, if it's about something, if it's about making something good, it's going to get contentious at some point. Um, if they're not going to back you and you're hung out to dry. It's a really fucking bad right. place to be. The amount of time that people get really hung out to dry because someone doesn't want to be the bad guy or because someone's lost the courage to make a stand is uh, is kind of sad all, all, all the way through. It's like mm. either you have conviction about the things that you want to make or you don't. Mm. I think it's shitty for agencies to spring utter bullshit surprises on clients mm. but i also think it's really shitty of agencies to go we'll just make it the director's problem because we've avoided this conversation that's the thing it's we've avoided often. it and now oh steve and over to you yeah and you're like left holding the bar the bucket of shit and it does feel at times that you've been handed this kind of hospital pass and if you don't deal with it, then it's your pro- that it's your problem. No one's going to back you up. You know, it doesn't give you great confidence moving forward to make something good. You know, um, I I always think that you know you you go into a film production, and again, like I said before, you know, we all hold hands. You know, we're all in this thing. We all contribute our part to the process. We have writers, we have art directors, we have directors, we have editors, we have cinematographers. You know, we all hold hands and we go through and we make this thing as good as it can be. But it, it doesn't always happen like that. And it's it's not uncommon to be to get into those meetings, those those early pre-production meetings and just be handed this thing. And it's like, it's your fault now, deal with it. But if it works, then 
everyone will take credit mm. for it. If it doesn't work, you. you are the 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 kind of you know sacrificial. I find it really surprising because I've, I've heard not necessarily even from you, but but from others like these horror stories of. I can't imagine how bad it really gets. I haven't had one for a long time. But I've heard that like things like, you know, it was queer that the agency had promised the client something that they'd never even told the production company. And then it comes out on set in the worst time for it to come out, right? Because you're like, have the really difficult conversations mm, up, front. up front. It's like I, basic common sense, mm, right? Yeah. And then... Because if it makes the box smaller, well, at least you can work within the box and you can fix it. But on set, in the moment, you're kind of fucked. Then it becomes uh, oh, uh, uh, covering your ass. Then it's really awkward. On, uh, well, you know, on set where you got all that crew standing around, all that money being like, eh, going through. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Those conversations are hard. So you've made quite a lot of Old Spice stuff and you made quite a bit of Nike stuff. And aside from working with talented people, just interested to hear like how different those things are for you, or is it really no different? I don't think it's any different. You know, you it, it's uh, you know, I mean, I, I would go back to the, my my sort of earlier point is that you cast for those projects, you know, and I I think that uh, I, I mean, again, I mean, I think that clearly we don't want to bang on about um, White and Kennedy, sure, but they have always had fantastic agency producers, yeah, uh, and. I don't think you can make successful film-based works without a, a good agency producer. Yep. They're as important as, as the writer and art director. I mean, I just think that... And it's, it's, it's vastly undervalued as a role in production. What do you think makes a good agency producer, then? What are the characteristics? Well, I mean, I think largely they're in, in support of the idea... You know, I think that's the first thing, that, that, that what they do is in service of the idea rather than being uh, sort of concerned with minutia that doesn't really make any difference. You know what I mean? Like um, people seem obsessed with schedules and meetings at certain times. You know, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it, it needs a certain degree of flexibility, I think. I think that's true, though. Like some people genuinely work in service of the idea and others work in service of the schedule. Yeah. Like in the end... You always end up in a better place with a happier client and a better piece of work if you're focused on the work. Uh, it's uh, it's a funny thing. Seems so simple, and yet it happens the other way around a lot. Well, a lot, you know, where you you, you know you constantly sort of drag into these meetings about um, well, they're not going to like this, and it's like, well, I've not even they've not seen anything. So how would how you know how would you know? So I think that that was one of the great things about working with Wyatt and Kenny. Yeah. All right, so let's not talk about Wade anymore. Well, you fucking brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about other filmmakers you like and admire. I know you watch a lot of film, and so we talk about it and have a lot of references. And, and I'm just curious about, like, do you just go, I'm curious, and I look, and therefore I beg, borrow, and... I think you look at everything, you know? I mean, I think that... Um I mean, again, I have no problem with popular cinema either. I get dragged along with my son to go and see Mission Impossible, you know, and I like, I, you know, I like that. I, th the thing about a lot of that stuff is, I don't know how to, ma I don't know how they make it. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know how you stage and shoot scenes in those films. It's sort of beyond me. The scale and the, 
the undertaking. But the, but you know, I mean, the films that I kind of gravitate towards personally are reasonably miserable and depressing, and you know, makes makes me feel better. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, no one watches them with me. No, 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 my kids, are, you know, they don't want to watch. For me, it's like I just want to see something different to the other things I've seen. I just want to be kind of moved, to be honest. I want to watch something that makes me feel something. Um, do you think that's a response to the work that you do in advertising? Look, I think those things affect your day job in a little, in a little bit. I mean, I, you know, d- despite despite the fact that you work in commercial filmmaking, I mean, I still think that you want to make things that have some kind of, you know, if you're if you're shooting sort of performance, I don't want to sound like a knob, but I. I mean, I do think that you want to, you want things to be believable, you know? Mm. I think it helps the story, whether you're having someone buying a loaf of bread or whatever. I mean, I think that you watch something and you want to believe that it's real. Tell me a little bit about how do you decide what type of people you would like to partner with in your company? What type of young talent you'd like to bring in? People that are good. Fair enough. But what about the people that haven't yet proven that? How do you make those decisions? Um, I don't know. It's sort of, it's a weird sort of nebulous thing. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the time we don't, we're not really looking for people. They come to us, you know, and they, and, and, you know, you have a, you have a meeting with them. I mean, Michael, Michael does, you know, most of that, that work anyway. Um, well, Michael and Pip. And, you know, you meet with them and you talk to them, you look at their work and, and, and you either like it or you don't. You, you respond to it or you don't. And would you ever bring someone onto the roster whose work you didn't necessarily like? No. Right. Well, we have directors whose work is not my kind of thing, yeah. but they do it well. I mean, I have a great appreciation of people that can do that stuff because I can't do it. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not that. I mean, look, I think you want people that are committed to the work and that aren't really... There's a lot of kind of politics in game playing as well in commercial filmmaking, and I think you want to try and find people that avoid, you know, that, that are going to avoid that to a certain like extent. just trying to swing their next deal or whatever. A little bit, a yeah. little bit, you know. So, I, I, look, I also think that, and it's funny working in America, that I, I have an idea what a commercial film company is, and it is a company of producers and directors who share information... Uh, amongst each other and through that shared information they can go on they make you know they 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 become better at what they do you know what i mean you talk about stuff you talk about the problems you have they talk about the things you like and and it makes it makes stuff better you know you learn something through the process whereas you know i mean i think a lot of commercial companies particularly in the states aren't like that at all they bid their directors against each other you know, it's it's a it's a it's a business. It's not a film company, and I, I you know I, I I feel reasonably strongly that it's it's you know it's a film company first and a business second. I mean, you you make money because you do good work. I just don't think you can be mercenary about that because it's a sort of it's a race to the bottom as long as you as as soon as you start doing that. In the same way as a director, if you just start taking on projects for cash, I think you just you know you just run down really really fast yeah i mean like i've seen people go through that cycle yeah and you know so often it's like they were interesting and then all of a sudden they went on that eight-year sprint and then maybe they're interesting again but you know i 
human beings and mortgages and whatever it is that comes into play. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't begrudge people for making a living, but I do think that you, you need to have some restraint in, in, in what you do. You know, I think it's easy just to churn shit out that just doesn't do much for anyone. What about then for young directors? Like, I, because I, you know, I always believe certainly in advertising. It's like with young people, it's like productivity is important, not just because so people can kind of get a new title and get a new job, but because they just learn. Yeah. So what? how do you balance that out with, with a young director, with kind of going, is it be choosy and really pick your moment? Or is it, hey, just make some stuff for a while. You've got a little bit of clearance before you're held accountable. How do you, how do you kind of help build reels for young people like that? I mean, I, th- I think that every director is different. I mean, I think that... I think young directors, you want them to make some stuff. I th- look, I think the hardest thing as a director is to kind of work out how you want to tell a story, you know, is to have a voice that you tell things with. And that takes a while to find that. Well, for most people, it took me a long time to find that. You know, I think you need to try different things in order to work out a way of working that you're happy with, a way of shooting stuff that you're happy with, or a type of performance that you're happy with. And clearly you can deviate around that. So... Yeah, look, I think young directors, you want them to shoot. You want to, you want them to shoot a lot. And do you think that you've got that voice that is you that you bring to all your jobs? No, I, I, I mean, to my earlier point, I think that because I don't have a clue what I'm doing, I think the only thing you rely on is your instinct. And I think that the more you rely on that, the more it gives things a particular, you know what I mean, um, point of view. It's uh, just that you work so diverse, you know, across so many categories. It just doesn't feel like. I mean, I don't know what you think, Mike, but it just doesn't feel like there's a, a Steve Rogers Yeah, thing. maybe it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't, look, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There probably is not. No, I think it's... I, that's why I was asking those questions about... Like, it wasn't about Wyden. It was more just about... It is unusual to be able to work on things that are kind of as diverse as you have. I don't look at them any differently. I mean, I just think that you... you, you I mean, clearly, the, the outcomes need to be different, but I just don't think... I, I don't approach the process any differently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the scripts are the scripts and I think the writers are the writers and I think you, you work with them and you you know, you know find a way through. So it hasn't been an intentional thing that you've thought, I want to make sure I get I kind of do things in lots of different categories like automotive and beer and uh, it was no. just script-based decisions? Oh, look, I mean, I think when, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I remember because I came through graphic design you know the 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 very very sad woeful work i did to begin with was more kind of picture based work and there was a point where i found it dull and wanted to work more with actors you know so there was a conscious effort on my part i think to try and broaden my ability as a director so yeah. more into performance and uh, yeah, just just because that's all filmmaking is really. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. shooting actors. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that have made money being really focused, and it's kind of I've always found it a little bit of shame. And, and maybe it's one of those things that happens not really so intentionally. Or you know, in the U.S., you'll get someone that's like, "I shoot cars. That's what I do." And yeah. I was always like, "Oh, that must get a little dull," because I know that I wouldn't only just want to write stuff on cars cars are boring though because you see all these scripts and it's like you know it's a car driving through a desert and then it's through a rainforest you know and it's always like so how are you going to shoot it and it's like well i shot the same way 
you know i don't know what you want a director to do in that so i think that you know unless there's a story unless there's some sort of performance then then all you're relying on is technique and i think that it's a terrible thing to be you know laden as a director of technique is not great i don't think i think there are also really terrible things to work on full stop you realize you're not really making a car ad for an audience you're actually making it for other people that want to see every angle even though we know that that's not actually what sells cars anyways yeah but i've done fun i mean i've, I've worked on fun stuff with cars you know before but again they were always wrapped up in a you know, they're always wrapped up in a in a story or an idea that was bigger than the the front three quarter shot of the grill of a car. I don't know. It's much more fun working with actors. <laughs> what a do you ever? I we do this as creatives. I, we kind of openly admit we see things that we wish we would have done. Do you do that? Uh, yeah. How can you not? You know, you think of stuff that kind of inspired you. Like, was it? Uh, you know, I always think like old Guinness work or uh, Bludgeon stuff was always really incredible. Or uh... look, I, I, I would still argue that Tony Kay, that the work that he did through like that sort of five or six year period, you would never have had Glazer or Bludgeon or any of those people without Tony Kay. I mean, Tony Kay really shifted what sort of contemporary commercial filmmaking was. I yeah. think. I mean, you know, the stuff he did for Nike, the Volvo stuff. I mean, that Volvo stuff is, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. amazing work, you know. I mean, it's guys like that it's don't come along that often. It's an interesting conversation. We start getting into uh, there are less characters like that anymore, mm. and it's kind of a shame. I don't want it to sound like I pine for olden days because it's not that as much as that I worry that we're getting to a kind of a not to this not to that world where everything is that way it's like a director that's not to this not to that like tony Kay's an interesting example with walter stern was a guy who i always loved and not a lot of people think about him and i had a meeting with him and realized why he hadn't worked a lot recently because you know bless him he was kind of a broken man but yeah, he was in a wonderful, wonderful filmmaker. Yeah, he's a great filmmaker. And you realize that, like, in a in a slightly different world, he was no longer, quote-unquote, kind of presentable or, or easy to sell. It wasn't about his work. It was about, like, you know, what kind of meetings you would have with him. And I think that kind of thing's a real shame. I think it's also very true on our side, right? There's just less kind of genuine difference. And I think you see it in the work, you know? I think... Oddly, in TV, you're starting to see a lot more exploration than you have seen in film a bit. Although, t I mean, TV to me still feels like lipstick on a pig. You know what I mean? It's the same. <laughs> it's, it's it's soap opera dressed up with with something else. Better writing. You don't think that there's more independent kind of work getting made in Netflix and HBO than than there is on the big screen? Only in America. I think, you know what I mean? Right. If you look at, at feature films in other, you know, whether it's out of Russia or out of France or out of the Middle East or whatever, there's great films being made. But if you look at that American model, I think TV is more interesting. Yeah, because the film has become like, you know, Disneyland. It's hard to find interesting stuff. <laughs> Your point about seeing things that you kind of really envy, I'm just wondering if there's stuff that you pitched for that you saw and either thought, oh, that's an interesting take and I wish I would have got that job and perhaps thought about it that way or something, or alternatively seen something and thought, oh, thank God I didn't get that. Or 
that shit, but it got made and you were like, fuck, it's pretty good. I hate looking at work that I bid on that someone else did and it's good. Yeah? Really, nothing annoys me more. Can you think of an example? Not without putting people in the shit, I don't think. (laughs) No, I, I mean, I know maybe it's just me that the things that I miss out on, then I look at, I'm like, that's always fucking shit. But there was a thing that I missed out on earlier in the year that I bit, like we bit really, really hard on, and then I saw it made and I was like, I'm glad it was made that badly. Um, All right, do tell. No, I can't. That's Uh, so petty. It is, isn't it? You know <laughs> what I mean? Awesome. It, it's it's um it's really yeah. Sorry, it makes me feel very small. Yeah. Look, there are innumerable great directors who I lose work to all the time that do outstanding jobs. I've lost a lot of work to Martin Detura, who I think is a very clever director. I shot with um, Martin. He's an interesting dude. Yeah, so I've lost quite a lot of work to him. Fucker. <laughs> Do you see, because, you know, around agency land, there's kind of a lot of, I don't know, despair? I don't know. It's it's a tumultuous time. Yeah. And has probably been for 10 years. And do you see that from, from your side? Do you kind of see that margins must be getting squeezed? People seem to be under more pressure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, when I look at the film industry, you know, I mean, we, I started the car company 20 years ago this year and I mean the film industry is like an eighth of the size that it was at the time and yeah I mean budgets are nowhere near what they were you know the expectations are still the same mm. um, no no it's, it's, it's shrunk enormously enormously and it's, it's an incredibly difficult business to to make good work in Look, you you know you can you can cut the corners off everything and go out and shoot something. You know what I mean? Um, but if you want to make good work, you want a well produced work. You know, there's a cost involved in that, and that's that's not something that's being taken into account. I don't think. What about film? Do you, do you is that something that you wanted to I mean, make? I've, I've tried for a long time. We had some stuff that I worked on for a long time that you know, disappointingly got to a point where we couldn't go any further on it. I mean, I, it was my fault. I took too long. Right, you know, I ended up having to write it, which I didn't really want to. Did you make it? No, 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 we didn't. We were, you know, we, we got quite close and then, you know, and then it didn't sort of happen. But, you know, I don't think anyone works in the film industry who doesn't want to make long-form film work, you know what I mean, whether that's TV or feature films or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, of course you do. I'm also not so singular about it that I would just do whatever just to make one. You know what I mean? I I, I think if you're going to dedicate that amount of time to something, then you want to make something that you believe in. I think you want to make it for the right reasons and you're not making it because you're after a feature film career. You're making it because you want to make that story. And if, if the successful outcome of that undertaking is you tell that story well then that is enough. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't make festivals and it doesn't do all that, that's not a disappointment. You've you've actually told that's the story that you wanted to tell. And it's hard to find stories that you are that compelled by, I think. Do you think if you were going to make something that would be a feature, do you think it would be a series? Do you think I don't know. We're working on we're working on some serious stuff at the moment because we have this we started this company called Rev Lover that does long form drama. I look as much as I you know, think that that sort of the TV renaissance is amazing and there's great stuff that's been made. 
I have a problem with the time commitment sitting through 12 hours of a show, you know what I mean, to get to a point that you may have gotten to. I mean, I think if you go to, if you go to the best feature films, you know what I mean, in 90 minutes, two hours, you're taken into a world, you are told this incredible story, and then you're out. I think if that 12 hours of a season or whatever it is is used well, it's amazing. But more often than not, it's not. You get to the end, you're like, you know, really? I just, I spent all that time. I could have been with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if it's, it's, it's becoming less well used, I think, that format. So I, I, I really love, I mean, I, look, I think that, that cinema form has, has, has lasted pretty well. I, I still think when it's at its best, you know, it's a remarkable format and really, really powerful, and I still have a reasonable amount of faith in that. You obviously would have worked with a lot of creative teams, a lot of different creative teams. Do you see any kind of common characteristics about what makes the teams the ones that you want to work with, the ones that are generating the sort of scripts that you want to direct? Um, well, I think the ones that write ideas, not treatments, as a, as a start. Um, I also think the ones that have a regard for film production, that, that, that understand the process, that understand that it is a collaboration and that, um, you know, they, they write a great idea and it has to be translated to TV. So it's going to shift and change as it goes through. You know, as I said, a, a great agency producer will manage that, those expectations from, from, from a client. Um, and I think great creatives understand that that's going to shift and change as it goes through, not independently of them, in, in collaboration with them. You know, it's sort of amorphic and it keeps sort of shifting, hopefully getting better and better as it moves through. Uh, so just being open to... I think you have to be. It's not, it's not a science project. It's, 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 a, it's a weird alchemy, you know what I mean? And you get... You, you find actors that you didn't think you were going to find and you get a DP who maybe you hadn't have expected, who, who brings something to it that you didn't realise that you like. And I, I think that's the thing, particularly on film sets, is going... Because I think you can go into a film set and you go, uh, the scene is set on the beach, in the sun, uh, and you get there and it's shit weather, you know? And a bad agency producer will be like, well, this is, what are we going to do? This is like a weather cost. You know, a good one will be like, shut the fuck up. We'll deal with it. And I think good writers will be like, well, maybe it works if it's in the rain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's maybe, we don't want a weather day, so maybe we'll rewrite it. You want good partners, right? I you think want that, good partners. You know, I mean, I think sometimes we're afraid to admit that we just enjoy working with some people more than others. And it's not just mates. It's not like, oh, yeah, because we hang out. It's more like because the trust. there's trust and there's there's a way of working through things that doesn't require a meeting every time you make a decision. And I think bad productions are like that. Bad productions are always a discussion. Well, they're based on mistrust. They're based on everyone, uh, you know, not trusting each other. So and it's this constant sort of dance about what you're going to do and how it's going to work and... You know, I, it's it's look. It's a weird thing. Look, the fact that anything can start as a as a as a written word on a page and end up as a piece of film that goes out re is remarkable. Mm, you know, it is, isn't it? Given the enormous numbers of points of view along the way and weird kind of shifts that things make. So, 
you know, it's almost it's it's always great sort of satisfaction when something is you know goes out, you know, well be- better than it it started out. You know, it does. It's hard that it doesn't always happen. You know, it's hard to find. I think one of the one of the best things um, that you've said, Stephen. I, I think it's a really interesting point for agency people, Micah, and you might kind of agree, is not get like leave yourself some wriggle room with clients because I think what does happen is there's so many meetings before you're brought in, Steve, oh. and so many like kind of questions thrown at you about what's this going to be like promises made and you make stupid promises i mean in the end like everything that we do uh when we start with a blank sheet of paper when we start with a problem when we start with everything kind of comes down to like i know it's not the most original thing to say but it's like it does come down to kind of partnerships and i think I've been doing this long enough to know that every client has very specific pressures that we don't have to deal with they become their own and so therefore you know when you get a client that's a true partner and 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 they're kind of risking and you're risking and everybody's risking there's still a sense that you're in it together and and i think that that's like it's really the most important part of everything that we do it's like if everyone wants to do something great then it's possible but i also think there's this sort of um a lot of the time there's a, you know i mean you guys write stuff and it comes down. There's this kind of suspicion about film production that it's from from us. Well, not not from you, but from you know what I mean. Yeah, from, I from, do. From yeah. from, from, from yeah. clients or from that that you're just trying to make some you know sort of bizarre film project that you know you're trying to fuck us over. You don't understand our problems, and you don't understand that we're a business and we're. You know, you guys are just going to take our money and you're going to make this thing like pirates. And you're like, <laughs> I kind of wish we were. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. If that distrust um, exists, then we won't be able to make anything great. You've got to be allowed to kind of make the thing you've been engaged to make. Um, and it might take some kind of unexpected turns, but but I do think that it, it it's... look. It's 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 in the interest of serving the project. I think that's the thing, and I think a lot of the time that that gets that gets lost along the way, that we're production pirates out to steal the money. You'd actually make a really good pirate, Steve. No, I I did consider at one point wearing an eye patch. Hmm. No, an eye patch would be good. Everyone say, oh, he's got a good eye. <laughs> <laughs> One last question, because I think the boys asked it to me, and so I feel like I should ask. We kind of touched on it a little bit before uh, when we asked about, like, the advice you give your own directors as they kind of come through. What advice would you give to a director who's trying to build a body of work and trying to find that point of view that's their own? And I know we covered a little bit of this earlier, but but someone fresh, someone new. I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I want to make the kinds of things that Steve or whoever makes, but I don't. I'm a little unclear where to start. Well, I just think you got to start making stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you don't know how, how you want to make things or what you really want to make until you make stuff. I think the more you make stuff, the more you find the type of work that you want to make. You know, and I and I can only talk about my own experience in, in that. You know, there's a point where you kind of go, "Well, I don't really like that." that I did, so I won't do that again. 
and I didn't really like that that much. I'm not going to do that again. And you, you know, it's really like writing, like like any of those things. I think it's it's a craft, and the more you ply your trade, the more you kind of know what you want to do. In saying that, I do think that having a um, I mean, I think you can't go into a project without seeing the end result. I mean, I think that's the first thing. You can't go into a film production as a director and not have an idea about what that ending is meant to be because I think you just flounder along the way. But, yeah, yeah, you know, make stuff. You know, the more you make, the more you work it out. No one starts good. Everyone makes shit to begin with. Everyone. doesn't matter who it is. But I, I would also say from a film production point of view, which is slightly different to writing, I guess, which is, which is perhaps a more solitary um, undertaking, is that if you're a young director, surround yourself with really fucking great people because there are the most amazing film technicians in Australia, better than anywhere else in the world. And I say that with my hand on my heart. And they are eager to work on whatever project is going and irrespective of whether you're terrified of booking them on a job, don't use your friends. Use the very best people, and I think you'll learn a lot more, a lot more quickly than you otherwise would. That's a good place to start. That is. That's a really good bit of advice, actually. Hey, um, Steve. So um, now, look. I don't know if anyone's explained to you the rules of this thing, but oh, I meant to interview someone. Aren't I? You, now you, you do have to come back at some point yeah. and and talk to someone. So you probably haven't got someone in mind as yet. No. Start thinking about it. You can also buck the trend and interview yourself if that's what you're really keen to do. I would like to hear what I would say to me. <laughs> hey, um, Micah, thank you very much for uh, coming back, mate. It's been really awesome both times. I think you know you've added some really interesting perspective to to the conversation. So thank you. I've enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad you have, mate. Um, so all the best. Yep. And Steve, we'll see you next time. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for downloading the Creative Relay podcast brought to you by Smith & Weston. Go to our website at thecreativerelay.com made by our good friends at Macadamia Digital where you'll find a whole lot more info and extra content about the podcasts and all our guests. I'll be back next time with Steve and his guest. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like and rate us. See you next time.